Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. So, it's been a week since the final season of Never Have I Ever Dropped and there's already been three discourse cycles around the show. So, this is us riding slash starting the fourth wave of discourse. So, we've previously, in a previous episode, spoken about um, its idea of brown representation. But today, pegged to Never Have I Ever, we're going to talk about the rise of girl failure television if you don't know what this is you're going to find out more about it in this episode and we hope that it's enough to intrigue you it's feminist to call a girl a bitch now to start with for everybody who's listening in this episode contains spoilers for never have I ever season four so if you haven't watched it do not use this as an excuse to want to murder us but stop listening watch it and then come back and listen to this episode <laughs> okay so uh to start with let's all respond to this one uh very specific moment in the show right where Devi's therapist calls her beautiful like Devi's having yet another breakdown and Devi's therapist tells her that you're beautiful um and caveats it with I'm not talking about the feminist everyone is beautiful way I mean real beauty, right? So that was a striking moment because of the way it seemed to dismiss a tendency within a certain strand of feminism to make beauty inclusive, but only superficially, right? So what do we think about this whole moment in the show? How did you react to it? And did you did it stay with you? Like, did you catch on to it and like think about it later? This is Shristi, your host, by the way. Hi, I'm Denise. Um... Did it stick with me? Uh, definitely, I think so. <laughs> because the minute, minute she said it, I was like, what? <laughs> What's happening here? Uh, but also not unexpected. Another thing, I, I was thinking about it a little more and um, it's such an off thing to say. Mm-hmm. But also it's, it's very like, it's apt and very reflective of the... Um, the mainstream idea of these things right like it's it's nothing that's out of the ordinary or anything like that it's just um <laughs> it's just an odd line for the writers to be like this is an amazing dialogue like let's put it in yeah but uh, yeah it definitely did stick with me hi this is rohita and same it did stick with me because i i it, it's like a tenterhook like I can't stop thinking about it because it's so like not not just irritating but also like what is happening because the in the first place the my reaction was you can't say that like we can say that as consumers of Mindy Kaling TV and just generally like people who are aware of the fact that this is a brand of feminism that they helped popularize the whole like everyone is beautiful thing so it felt very surprising coming from that um from from, like the very people who propagated it and secondly the what she said itself made no sense to me and it felt like one of those things that it is just like a thing that you say that sounds very uh critical and intelligent but it's not because it's like not talking about uh the feminist everyone is beautiful way but real beauty so like what does real beauty mean in this context she's telling that to Devi when she's having a breakdown so then like I I I was just so confused because it's like what do you think the feminists are talking about when they talk about everyone is beautiful and what do you like how 
how are you differentiating that from like quote unquote real beauty like it didn't make any sense to me it just felt like a tautology where she was saying the same thing as what she was accusing the feminist of saying so i don't know it felt like it was like an attempt to sound smart but then <laughs> yeah i mean I to know. be honest i didn't mind it so much in the moment like i actually found it funny i was like ha oh, yeah that's funny <laughs> but now that i'm actually discussing it, i'm like i'm also thinking wait what did that actually mean and what do you mean by actually beautiful like why are you saying that to a 17 year old like 17 no 16 17 yeah why are you saying that to a 17 year old like it, yeah i i also didn't actually kind of get it in retrospect the therapist has said a lot of things that that you know i think this was one of the top highlight top hits but uh, she has said a lot like in the in the end of the uh, the series she also starts crying and i'm like this how is this a healthy therapist relationship <laughs> i i think that creates like a fairy tale like a therapist fairy tale you know what i mean like the relationship everybody wants with a therapist but you know you should not ethically have yeah. so it like propagates a new kind of fairy tale <laughs> yeah and that therapist is such a tv therapist like first update your therapist before you update feminism right like it was so like strange that such a such a stere- like cliche of a therapist is trying to do feminism hot takes in the show but uh, you know what this is actually a perfect example of like what we're talking about which is girl failure tv slash self-aware feminist tv which has been on the rise for a while now right like for a few years now you can see and this is kind of the culmination of it i think because it's in a teen like a young adult show so it really marks in a sense like cements the rise of this kind of genre so yeah like the idea of girl failure really took off this this year like earlier this year in jan with a particular tweet that said enough girl bosses i need girl failures just an absolute loser of a female character more women who suck i am tired of fictional women having to be the coolest and most powerful and the best to be stand i want more female characters who are just some guy and obsessed over for it um and some prominent examples of girl failures are anna delvey um some people even consider carrie bradshaw to be a girl failure because of how she like messes up all her relationships uh shiv roy from succession is the girl boss who always fails so she's a girl failure um and yeah as in like this year is kind of like the year of girl failures as a trope as an idea as an ideology as an aspiration as well which <laughs> and judging by the examples even like devi being considered a girl failure i don't buy because she gets into princeton unscathed she overcomes her trauma she's healthier she's much more mature than she was when she started out she resolves all her messy relationship issues she ends up with a guy where is the failure like it's not i there. think it's in the way that she is right like she's such an inherently like honestly i was so happy for her in season 4 because it seems like she's grown so much but like she is such a mess like throughout from season I, and i would literally like even in season 4 and you know you see never have i ever the name of the title and you feel like second hand in anxiety through the episode like oh my god what is she going to do to mess things up 
how is she going to screw this up now i feel like all of mindy kaling shows have this girl failure aspect to it so it's interesting that though as a phenomenon we might be talking about it now it's it's existed in her shows most prominently in the mindy kaling project which i haven't watched but like all those around me who watched never have i ever with me have watched and loved so um yeah i feel like girl failure has also been around for a while actually though it seems to have become more prominent more recently right like i'd say that hannah from girls is like the ultimate example of girl failure because she also actually fails like unlike devi she does have a pretty not so sorted life yeah and even fleabag for that matter but my my issue with this trope and this whole idea of girl failing is the characters who are girl failures or actual failures it's like they can kind of afford to be as in like it's almost like romanticizing struggle and failure as feminist in a way rather than like having compassion like we fallen into this trap in terms of like our media consumption where we need to categorize something as feminist or unfeminist so then when we see a character like fleabag maybe the show's lens or the gaze is feminist in the sense that it explores certain ideas but then the character and life of fleabag and like itself is not like you wouldn't call that feminist per se but like but it's been like people uphold her as an example of like girl failure which everyone stands and like as like not even aspires to but like like draws comfort from in a way but then not everyone can be such a mess actually like so yeah so in that context just wondering about even the ending that you know devi uh goes with which is that she does end up with a man in the end um and there were many fan was of course and daxton fans were really really upset which i was shocked by like the kind of outrage over like oh my god what happened blah 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 but does that also signal like a backslide in me- media consumption where we're having like stan wars over which man does she end up with etc etc um or was there never anything wrong with this idea of women ending up with men at the end of a story in the first place i have to say that i cracked this joke when we were discussing it when you know i think rohit and i were discussing how oh, season 4 is going to come up and i was like i hope they don't do the feminist thing of making her end up alone <laughs> i want to see which man she goes with <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so um i guess i kind of am like devi's therapist huh uh so um let's talk about this a little bit like about the ending of the show and do we think this idea of like ending up with a man and like stan was over the two men is it taking us back or was there is there nothing wrong with that to begin with uh i i okay so firstly i agreed with you when you when you made that joke because it was like it was like too many tv shows of like and like just generally storytelling is falling into this trap of conflating feminism with just like radical uh independence in a way that just does not serve anybody like it's it's basically like isolating the main character who's a woman as like a high powered highly successful uh strong person who doesn't need anybody but actually like that's not true of anyone cuz everybody does need somebody like i don't know where this idea came from like a strong independent woman who don't need no man like 
I I don't know if <laughs> in the first place, uh, like I see where it comes from, but then it's like I don't fully I never fully agreed with it because it's like it's not about needing a man. It's just like about needing companionship, which a lot of people do want, um, and then like rejecting that in such a totalizing way, such that it becomes like the idea of mainstream feminism, and then you see like even Disney trying to do this stuff with their like live action remakes of um their classic animated films where they're trying to give the the female characters a little more agency by distancing themselves from the man when actually like there's so much more to that characterization that like we just do a disservice to by actually associating them with men in that way so i don't know i just found that whole narrative itself from the beginning kind of flawed and like neoliberal white feministy so I really like that she <laughs> ended up with someone that cares about her and she likes. Yeah, so um I I feel like I was not rooting for her to be alone definitely, but I would have liked to see in an alternate reality where she was with both of them. You know, like why did she have to pick and why did she have to choose? <laughs> but uh, I yeah, I didn't I don't think I cared much about that she you know she landed up ended up with ben or anything but my i feel like where i i rolled my eyes a little was when everybody at the end of finale everybody ended up with a partner right mm-hmm. like um, nirmi nalini all of the everybody had men like at the end it was like <laughs> you know they just went on collecting but yeah i mean i i just thought that they still reinforced that idea yeah. of oh you do need you need um you need a man to be happy or you need a partner unless you're fabby yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless you, you have robots yeah and then it's okay and and a girlfriend on the side <laughs> yeah on the side yeah addison uh, was her side piece for sure yeah she was barely there yeah. <laughs> and then even the lines that anyway the lines that she said also it was so like out of character compared to her the previous season <laughs> but <laughs> um, as an aside yeah, yeah uh yeah just that the fact that everybody mm. lined up with partners felt like this is like it's okay if two people didn't have a partner you know they would live yeah. like yeah yeah i think i also have to i i also have to side with denise a little bit there and disagree with my own thing for a ben ending because i, I mean actually i do wonder whether if it is better if we have more narratives where people don't i mean where we interrogate the idea of loneliness and community a little bit more because i think a companion doesn't necessarily solve the problems that you have and I mean also we know that the way we look at ideas of loneliness and community on on TV and movies can actually be very harmful right like we've also put out a lot of pieces about that yeah but my thing is it's just it's not unfeminist as an ending like that that's the thing like a lot of people have started associating like ending up with a partner as like not a feminist ending whereas the feminist ending is actually like ending up like single and being happy yeah like you know like ending up with a community of friends and all of that like also feminist but this is not not feminist i think the problem is with heterosexuality which we've discussed 
in an episode with Shayana. I think we're just like plugging old episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes uh, in, three episodes <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, it's not even been like ten minutes. But anyway, um, yeah, like the problem is with heterosexuality. So we have like obviously there's a lot of issues over there in terms of the power dynamics, in terms of the care and companionship and the value you derive from that sort of a relationship as a woman in a, in a patriarchal system. But it's not like the need for companion itself, companionship itself, which is like unfeminist in a way. So people portray Devi as like this complete hot mess. So she's like the ultimate girl failure in that way. Uh, and then so her like desperate need for validation from boys and just like that tendency that vulnerability is ten- is seen as like oh at least she's not like like independent and strong and feminist like she's she's like us she's normal she's ordinary like there seems to be this dichotomy when that doesn't have to be there like and it, it it's like to me not even the right dichotomy to have um there's also this aspect of D- Devi's character, right? Like, which is very debate, like the whole girl failure aspect of it, but also something that makes her really interesting and flawed is that she is quote unquote boy crazy, right? Like, and her friends also tell tell her that like, oh, you know, we wouldn't have had the life that we did or become these people who we are if, or I think lost their virginity was the very specific context. Um, but like, if it wasn't for Devi having the quote unquote audacity to walk up to the hot pocket and demand their attention right so i mean what do we think about that like i mean was it ever unfeminist or shameless to be boy crazy in the first place i don't think so i feel like again it's just it just feels like a reflection of what really goes on in like when everybody is that kind of age yeah (laughs) which uh but i still feel like representing that in a show in this in this kind of way i feel like because we're all of us are a little bit older also and Mm. watching it through this lens we're able to like make these make these connections and think about it a little bit critically but also for an audience that's way younger it still feels like oh you can be like obsessed with boys and this needs to be like losing your quote-unquote virginity is a ritual that needs to happen yeah and then finally you will be successful like it still follows that kind of narrative so I do feel see how it might be still reinforcing a quite a a, still a very like harmful narrative for a younger audience yeah I don't know I I don't like I kind of disagree with that a little bit because um like in like in the first place the narrative that we all like sort of internalized while we were like getting acquainted with like feminism in general is just that boys are a waste of time focus on your career and it it it, like it was always presented to us as again like a forked road at the end like where you had to choose one or the other and not like that like there was no room to accommodate both or even like a desire for both so i mean for people who who may have like been boy crazy or whatever it like this kind of girl boss feminism that we had been fed for so long like really left no room and just like demonized vulnerability and like shamelessness and just like those very human emotions that like are a part of us as adolescents and when we grow up and even now like as adults uh 
it is a part of who we are like we can't and but but you know in this pursuit of like success defined by career and money in like this very like one like one track like capitalist way it it sort of like fed us the idea that even thinking about boys even like having feelings for them is a waste of time and you're like doing a disservice to all women everywhere like that was a kind of narrative that we sort of grew up with and then even if you see like the retrospective critiques of like the ending of friends which is like i'm not endorsing that show in any way at all but when <laughs> when rachel ends up missing like le- like deboarding deboarding i don't know leaving the plane and ending up with ross everyone now is like oh my god you like how can she do that she left her like amazing job in paris and she's like ending up with this guy what the hell like and then like i just you know it's like that dichotomy again it's like why can she not have like a good enough like as good of a career while choosing whatever she wants to do like why is it that we were fed this narrative that even like expressing a preference for being like choosing a partner over a nice job was ever like unfeminist in that sense it is it is maybe harmful in a, in the sense that choosing a man while being a heterosexual relationship in a patriarchal society may have systemic disadvantages for you but you can't blame the individual as such for doing that so i don't know i don't agree with that boy crazy i feel though that you know holding it um i still feel like in the context of like talking about high school boy crazy girls we're talking specifically about like heterosexual relationships boy crazy girls at this point is is still feels like i'm like i'm not talking about the career thing like you have to choose this or that i'm just i'm talking about the fact that like how much of a toll it takes on your self esteem and not like completely ignoring the fact that it will distract you from your studies and that narrative but in general like being obsessed with uh because at that point you are a child and they also are a child so you're you're letting your emotions in such at such a formative period of your of your life be dictated by another child so it's it's just dangerous territory to be in yeah uh ignoring the fact that the career thing i i agree about the career uh that the uh, like a boyfriend and a career cannot coexist um uh, i agree with that but i'm just like in the context of high school i feel like it's still different so interesting even having this conversation in our context because it becomes so different in the context of india right because i mean how ra- how <laughs> how rare is it where the choices between a loving partner and a job it's more often than not you have to adopt the partner job aise bhi nahi karne denge or whatever you won't get a do a job or like you know i i i don't know i think it's it's much uh, so it's even interesting to have that conversation i do think that you know especially as you were talking about the friends ending rohita and like 
now people revisiting it and being like oh god like just let her do like this backlash basically right to feminist critique where you're like why did she end up with the shitty dude and now people are like just let her do what she wants i think that it comes from this exhaustion that millennials and like elder gen z i suppose have with um with with just the girl boss narrative's own failures right where you know that you won't necessarily be happy if you pursue the path of being a girl boss right because the same problems remain and then you turn to the idea of like romantic love and like a happy ending in a totally new way because you're like well let me at least have that because i know that tv years of tv and years of books and everything have shown me that it can make me feel a certain way which well let's face it having a successful career and and the high of whatever that entails more necessarily make you feel the same way i think it's just coming with exhaustion with the girl boss narrative and yeah and i think that manifests in turning back to this in a way where you're like okay just come on let me have that like the world sucks already or whatever and i don't know if that's necessarily the best the best way to go like do we really want a girl fail our way into love Why can't we have a neutral thing? <laughs> a girl neutral. You mean just a girl? <laughs> yeah. I do mean just a girl. I'm just a girl standing in front of the world asking it to let me be just a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you know who's grown up watching rom-coms. I think it's clear uh, one of us definitely has. Okay, moving on from that. Um let's talk about some other examples right like now that we've started to really get into the core of what girl failure girl boss all of this all of this means to us let's get into it a little bit more right like i think rohita you really spoken about maybe the problem being with viewing everything with this thing of is it feminist is it unfeminist and then you get very conscious now with like how tropes feminist tropes make their way to storytelling which might not make sense Re- call back to another one of our episodes on house of the dragon and feminist storytelling but um yeah just wondering that like was there a disillusionment with this like or when did you start feeling this way that okay there's too much of analysis of is something feminist is something unfeminist do you remember a particular pop culture moment where you were just like okay i've i've had it with this now yes game of thrones like you can't talk about this without addressing game of thrones and the girl bossification of sansa of daenerys and how that just ruined like the entire thing in such a way that the whole franchise itself girl failed in a way like <laughs> because no one goes back to game of thrones the way like you would binge something else like several times like knowing the way it ended and how disappointing and sh- and hollow it felt and insincere and the the main reason for that is is because people try to do like to do like the feminist treatment to to like sansa and like all the all the women left on the show who were not killed um I mean it was just like they just became like shells of themselves like there was no humanity or no nothing from within it was just very like almost like marvel action figures were placed there to give like um one liners that can elicit like whistles and cheers and and that like 
almost like a Rajinikanth thing. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. That to me stood out as like the beginning of the end for girl boss narratives and storytelling in TV and film. With shows like Friends, Office, blah, blah, blah. You remember a moment when the conversations were really heated and it was not when they were out. It was yeah. much later on where like everybody's revisiting and being like, oh, were these shows... It was the word problematic. Were these shows problematic? Were they not? Was this character this more? More than I think feminist and unfeminist for me, that was the word which kept... And then with Game of Thrones, of course, there was a very obvious like Chris Crescendo and with the Sansa um, rape scene... And then that's what, right? Like, it's interesting that the response to complicated critiques, like, and again, they also get watered down on social media, but the response to complicated critiques are such weird token changes in storyline, which, like you said, would actually take away from the point of your own storytelling. Because if analyzed from a different perspective, like, Cersei is the ultimate girl boss and the ultimate girl failure, and, like, a really good example of, like, what happens in that kind of a setup when you try to take power in a way she's Shiv before Shiv you know so it's so strange when then you superimpose a narrative which actually doesn't make sense and goes against uh some of your own storytelling so yeah I think I think it does it does become frustrating and and I think then comes along a show like Fleabag that for me was a moment when it was like, yeah, everybody's talking about it. Everybody loves it. But I was totally on that bandwagon, like reading the screenplay, watching the show multiple times, both seasons, because it was so good. And it stands outside those debates because Phoebe Waller-Bridge has created it as true to her own sense. It's somewhere away from all of that and yet true to what it's what it's showing uh so yeah, I, I yeah, I I don't know, but did, did y'all see Fleabag, which has now become iconic for like girl fail, like in a way the iconic girl failure and the school of self-aware feminism, where you're a feminist, but like you know the famous uh, line where she says, "I sometimes worry that I wouldn't be such a feminist if I had bigger tits," which is like one of the best lines in like TV history for me. <laughs> So I'm just I'm just wondering that like, um, yeah, d- did you see that moment as some kind of like a moment when you we were like, okay, recognizing that now we want to be more self-aware about our feminism and move away from this whole like girl boss, not girl boss, this, this, the empowering woman trope, so to speak. I think, yeah, I feel like it definitely was a, definitely was a huge moment and I have also thought that the same thing, exact same thing. <laughs> so uh, I think it it just it uh, voiced a lot of things, uh, voiced a lot of things that people were already kind of thinking about. Because uh, at that point, also before Fleabag came out, I think that was peak girl boss feminism, right? Um, that that time yeah and all over the internet and so it became even it became even scary to say anything that did not align with that girl boss feminism yeah because immediately you're you're either feminist or you're either girl boss feminist or you're not a feminist at all yeah there there was no in between so when when uh, when fleabag came out and this was the narrative like so many people just felt seen and felt like yeah <laughs> it, it's fine to not be this version of what this femi- feminist narrative is i also feel like the um 
therapist line from never have i ever did yeah. try to kind of go in this direction but it really did not fit yeah <laughs> it really did not fit because the whole the whole show was written through a very different lens it yeah. was not you cannot it's not uh, it's not a lens that you can just adapt into because yeah. even F- fleabag's line out of context would be infuriating um, yeah. otherwise so yeah. and you see that on social media where it's shared and like half the well on social media everybody comments like oh, incendiary things only but like half the comments would be like oh my god this is taking us whatever back and then people are like it's from a show watch the show whatever whatever <laughs> but like yeah yeah see my my thing is with that like the problem is actually like the way people respond to it in a way like i don't know what has happened to the state of discourse itself where like the way we engage with the show is in these like binary terms so like the reason why like sorcy as a character or shiv as a character or even fleabag uh, was so compelling and so good and so delicious is is because they like there was no i mean not with fleabag but with the other two at least or i don't know with all three of them maybe there was no effort to like make them feminist in order to play to the peanut gallery of like internet discourse at the time where there were all these buzzfeed listicles about the problematic parts of the little mermaid or something like uh like no one wanted to end up on that buzzfeed list for some reason and then people like made tv shows and like molded characters in a way that they would avoid that conversation online just like because that was the zeitgeist and then but but like then we just lost the essence of what makes like women on tv on screen like so interesting and so like memorable uh because yeah like even fleabag it was like an active attempt to engage with that very conversation in like a very meta and self aware way but then what we see now is later again like audiences responding to not only fleabag but like even shiv like there are these fan cam reels of shiv roy like in like this like boss bitch way like energy you know like and and then it just defeats the whole purpose uh because the way when if if you're like remembering a character through that lens then it doesn't do it do anyone any favors like as in we're going back to that same like 2015 buzzfeed uh listicle era in terms of how we're consuming these things i think for me somewhere what we've lost is like the integrity of storytelling but when i say this i sound like one of those people who's like yeah so let's make it racist and let's make it misogynistic but no really like what would these people say whose perspectives do you center how do you tell that story rather than like and what stories do you choose to tell rather than superimposing some kind of bizarre lens where it absolutely doesn't make sense i think it makes more sense to actually introspect on the intricacies of that because that is the most for me at least interesting thing that can come out of yeah storytelling and the girl boss era is definitely yeah i think we're exhausted with being girl bosses or being fed the idea of girl boss feminism and so we just want to girl feel i guess it was also su- it was also such an impossible narrative in the first place like yeah. i feel like we've only set ourselves up yeah for that yeah 
Yeah. It doesn't reflect the reality of the world certainly. So you're going around girl bossing but nobody wants to be bossed. So it's going to be a bit it's going to be a bit tough. <laughs> but I also worry about this because again like this like now we're in this time of like irony and like being like ironic about these things and be like reclaiming girl failing as like the antidote to girl bossing uh, and then it's the same it's under the same umbrella as like the reclaiming of barbie core or bimbo core or like uh, trad wife like trad wives on on online on tiktok and all of that and like all of these are being reclaimed as kind of feminist and self aware and ironic and dispassionate and it 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 like overall it just feels like very negative like self destructive like like nihilistic energy like not constructive or productive in a way so like i also worry about that tendency because um now we're all really like awaiting this new greta gerwig barbie film <laughs> because it promises to do that like to engage with this exact question like this dichotomy between like femininity and feminism uh but then and like so now we we seem to be entering that but then it's also like are we just going in circles here like what what is really like the end game here and what is the point of this and are we at risk of just like like being exhausted with this with engaging with feminism itself and then just like putting that aside and then just like being so sick of it that like okay i don't i don't want like i want to watch like i don't know terminator or something you know <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean i will never say i want to watch terminator i can say for myself that friends yes terminator no i wonder though whether are these like is this a pattern that seems but natural um to have like for example even if you look at uh, what we thought as feminist fashion or like our ideas of fashion how how it's been over the years like now we are at a point where we are uh, it's it's kind of like it's not ironic but it's cooler to wear older clothes like vintage clothes and with this whole like y2k aesthetic and similar to like similar to that uh, so i feel like we've seen these patterns come up in different um different aspects of our life and mm. is it but natural that in our idea of feminism also this keeps happening as a uh, keeps happening as with different names of course but over the past few years i think this is all also like if i think about a natural offshoot of like the development of neoliberal liberal feminism and like the commod pink washing and the commodification of feminism in the early 2000s so it also feels like a very natural offshoot of coming there and feeling and knowing right because we're all supposed to be the audiences and we do watch all of these shows and then feeling disappointed because you're like well this is not what i want actually and and you know because they're like like whatever you will be a marvel dude bro so you'll get a certain kind of film you'll be this so you'll get a certain kind of film so we've been put in the bracket of like this is the kind of film that you'd want if you're a feminist girl with whatever or woman whatever <laughs> with these values and, and i guess that's what feels disappointing that even we've been ma- like commodified and marketed in the certain way where you're just like 
and it's so weird like when that that you say that like it makes you realize how audiences themselves have been like gendered like there's two essentially like there's like the imagined audience of women consumes like mindy kaling and like that whole genre and then the the imagined audience of like predominantly men consume like chris nolan and like those and like martin scorsese and then it's just like so that's why there's also this thing this war quote unquote between barbie and oppenheimer releasing in the same weekend and then it's supposed to be this whole thing and it's like why like what is i don't know it just feels strange on that note should we go back to the question we started with and how do we feel about girl failure tv is it here to stay and if you could what would you say about it if you had the power to change or not what would you do is it here to stay i feel like uh, i feel like like we've discussed throughout that yeah like we've gotten exhausted with the idea of girl boss we will get exhausted with the idea of a girl failure and then after that there will be either girl boss again or some completely <laughs> completely new way uh, or not a new way but just a new world of yeah in a old in an old packaging yeah. i think barbie might just be it i'm i'm placing my bets on barbie the film <laughs> to give us a whole new category really the hype is real <laughs> hype is very real i feel uh more inclined to what you said denise about girl neutral stories like i just want girl stories neither failures nor bosses just like don't think about that at all just be chill like <laughs> i Yeah. Just stop performing. Like stop playing to the whatever. Like I don't want either of these. I just want what feels authentic. And neither of these do at this point. If you try to make it a point to do that. Yeah, I think authenticity is the key word here, right? Which is what all of these end up feeling overly performative. And yeah, I- I'm still confused about the question which this whole thing brings up about like what is the. role of storytelling what is the responsibility of storytelling and then how do you draw that balance between like the integrity of storytelling in a story and the responsibility that storytelling has and how do you do that in a nuanced way without getting girl bosses and girl failures okay we leave you with this open question i don't think we're going to answer it but uh, yeah this was a really fun episode and yeah I I I'm I'm trying to think of a funny ending but it's it's I guess I'm girl feeling at that. <laughs> ha. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios. The production company that brings the Swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films. <laughs>